0: You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at ngse Sports and like us on Facebook.
1: NGSC Sports. We never stop.
0: Because <laughs> shit.
1: Oh, Arsenal!
0: Arsenal! Arsenal! Don't worry, Arsenal. You you're gonna lose next week to Barcelona, and England will still survive with their coefficient. So it's fine. It's it's all fine.
1: Because luckily we have, luckily we have City United and Liverpool. <laughs> Ex- yeah, I was like,
0: "Excuse me, who actually knocked out an Italian no, 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 team no, no. last week?"
1: No no no. no, no, no. I was gonna. I was, uh, of course, Tottenham included in that. I'm just saying, you have like the three biggest head cases of the Premier League. Oh yeah, League
0: yeah. <laughs> yes, still
1: yes. in it. Are <laughs> still in European competition. <laughs> well, oh. I guess Arsenal is also. I guess you throw Arsenal in there. You have the four biggest head cases <laughs> in England. It's insane. Oh man! Did we you love
0: it? Did you see the report uh, that came out that uh, that the board has assured Van Hall he'll stay around even if he doesn't finish top four.
1: God, I hope that's right.
0: I hope so too.
1: Well, apparently, um, I saw something else that said uh, the future of uh, Mourinho with United, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. depends on like the uh, the outcome of the Carnera case.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Uh, you know, I really, I think, um. I think it's come down to, you know, man, it's a really good idea. It's a guy that I think members of the United Board would really like to have. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I almost think, you know, for once, the bad press has finally come back to get Josie. Yeah. He's well, like it's like right now he's he's too damn nuclear for a job like United.
0: Well, and especially with what just happened with the Adam Johnson case and with Margaret Byrne resigning, I mean, if if, if you hire him, and two weeks later it comes out that he did, uh, I, I believe that it was sexual harassment, um, that was the the part of the Corano case. So.
1: Well, uh, well, I mean, you you know what's going to happen then if he doesn't get the United job. Was that? Um, you know, of course, we'll get to uh, Benitez going to Newcastle <laughs> a little later. <laughs> well, of course, Benitez will save Newcastle. He'll get sacked in October next year, and Mourinho will go to Newcastle and uh, lead him to Europa. That would be insane. You know, j- just so he could. Uh, and he doesn't really want to go to Newcastle, but he j- he just does love fucking with Benitez.
0: I don't know if he's going to want to take it a- over a team that's in the championship though.
1: Oh, no, nah, if if Rafa comes, they will survive.
0: Are you sure?
1: I believe in Rafa.
0: Newcastle isn't very good.
1: Well, dude, I, I will tell you exactly what Benitez will do. Benitez is going to make them. I mean, they're, they're gonna they're gonna have to win matches like one 0 Yeah. Because Rafa is gonna pack them in. They're gonna play. They should become very solid defensively, and just try to get a goal on the counter. I mean, instead of just whatever the hell they do try to do now, which no one can really figure out what yeah. they're trying to do, yeah. Rafa will at least come in with a plan. It won't be sexy, it won't be pretty, but um, he is very effective.
0: You, you know what isn't sexy, what isn't pretty, but is very effective? Oh.
1: What's it? It's the and Affair Podcast. It's kind of a sexy open. Thank
0: you. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast. I can tell you're getting all tingly on the inside now. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the weekly weirdness that is the Foreign Affair Podcast. I am Edward Green, joined, as always, by McCall in crime. Wes Bradshaw here to bring you another fantastic and exciting week of European-style football. Uh, We have a Premier League weekend to recap where I believe no less than five players were sent off for their teams this weekend. It might have even been six. I got to go back and count. I uh, know at least five. Were, five. I, I believe it was five. We got we got, we got Milner, um, uh, um, uh Morales, uh the guy from South, Southampton and and uh who's the fifth one?
1: It doesn't matter what his name is.
0: It's Oh, thank you for that. Uh, We will be breaking that down as well as the four second leg ties in the Champions League knockout stage. We'll be quickly previewing the Europa League fixtures to come that will have already been Most likely been played by the time you listen to this. We'll also have an FA Cup review and preview since it is an FA Cup weekend for a few teams. We'll hit the news and notes including that story we were going to hit last week and completely forgot about. It's the Super League. We'll see how likely that is. We'll also, of course, have your other big story of the week. Watch for and so raw. Of course, this podcast is presented to you by NGSE Sports and NGSE Sports.com. We never stop. You can find them on the Twitter at NGSC Sports, just like you can find us at AFA Pod, at West Bradshaw, excuse me, at West Bradshaw 21, and at Edward Green. Wes, let us waste no more time burping into microphones. <laughs> let us simply get to the Premier League recap and to the football. You have PSG Chelsea Champions League on as a nice backdrop to what will be an enthralling talk I'm sure we'll have tonight we oh that was beautiful let's get to the premier league recap starting with the north london derby breathless described by some dicey described by others head scratching challenges by tertiary people it was a wild one that finally ended tottenham 2 arsenal 2 alexis sanchez with a goal a man down in the final 15 saved a point for arsen Wenger's men but Tottenham with two goals, uh, one from Toby Alderweireld in almost an identical position as Harry Kane scored the first goal in last year's uh, White Hart Lane fixture last year. And Harry Kane did get on the board as well with an absolutely crackling curler from just outside the 18-yard box that beat Aspina not once, not twice, but three times over. Tottenham could not secure the point, the full point set of points but do get a uh well-earned uh point against their hated rivals er- elsewhere elsewhere uh it was chelsea won stoke won chelsea uh managed to take an early lead but stoke did equalize late on a mamadouf header uh Thibaut Courtois had tried to punch a cross clear, but only hit it directly to Duf, and he put it right past the keeper. And that is how Stoke and Mark Hughes were able to save a point at Stamford Bridge. In one of the other crazy matches, and there was a lot of crazy matches this weekend, it was Everton 2, West Ham 3, Everton have made it a habit this year of leaving games late for other teams to steal one, if not all, three points. And Dimitri Payet, with uh, Everton down a man, yet going 2-0 up, thanks to uh, Romelu lukaku who has scored in every match he's played against West Ham in the Premier League, as well as once-spur Aaron Lennon. They had a 2-0 lead. West Ham came roaring back in the final stages, and the win was capped off by Dimitri Payet. Everton playing a man down due to his set of yellows from Kevin Morales. Um, Manchester City 4, Aston Villa nil. Two teams that had come in losing three Premier League matches on the trot, and City won. So that's about all we need to say. Hey, Raheem Sterling scored. So there's that. Um, at uh, Newcastle,
1: crap.
0: yes, he does. Uh, that's all City can score against really is crap. Uh, Newcastle won Bournemouth three up the cherries. Iosea uh, Perez tried to bring Newcastle back with a goal to make it 2-1, but Bournemouth uh, ended it all on Charlie Daniels' stoppage time strike. He fiddled his way just outside The uh, penalty area with a great one-man effort and then put it past the keeper to secure three points for what is looking to be an incredibly, or not incredibly, but an increasingly safe Bournemouth side. Uh, Southampton won Sunderland One, Sunderland got a goal after Southampton went a man down. Uh, Sunderland scoring on the foot of Jermaine Defoe. Not one of his prettier goals he's ever scored, but it counts all the same. Unfortunately for him, in the last minute of the game, Virgil van Dyke leveled things for 10 men Southampton as they were able to rescue a point and spoil Big Sam's day. Uh, it was Swansea 1, Norwich 0. Gilfie Sigurdsson with the goal for Swansea left alone. How do you leave Gilfie Sigurdsson alone? Just outside the six-yard area on a cross, he was able to put it easily past Norwich's keeper and get the win for Swansea. And then it was in the uh, afternoon match with... Watford nil Leicester one. Rudy Marez with the goal also may have uh, tweaked his hamstring a little bit. Uh, We'll see what further reports say and how he's doing. But he actually stayed on quite a bit before being substituted off. But more importantly, it's a a win for Leicester. Uh, Odio Ingelo had a almost completely free header late that could have equalized. But he hit it right to Casper Schmeichel to not put a point for the Hornets. On Sunday... It was Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2. I believe Liverpool's first win at Palace since 1995 in the league. They do it in style. Palace uh, went up 1-0 early. Scott Ledley with the goal for Palace. Liverpool down a man after James Milner. Boring James Milner. He went off after another set of yellows. But it was Roberto Firmino who took advantage of a poor, poor clearance by Palace's goalkeeper. Uh, basically passed it right to him. And Firmino coolly took it past him and into the goal to level things up. And then in the dying embers, Christian Benteke. I don't know what happened. All I know is that there was a he penalty.
1: Clipped, he got clipped. He went down in the box.
0: I agree with half that statement. as that. I agree with exactly half of that statement. He did go down in the box. That is that is a fact. That is an. Uh,
1: here, here, here's all I've got to say about it. If the men and Blazers did not sit on their podcast and mock and deride, because of course uh, both are noted Liverpool haters. Of course. If they did not sit, mock, and deride at all, or even question it. That was a penalty.
0: I've watched that highlight probably 15 times. I still don't actually see him getting touched.
1: But the point well, is, luckily for us, the line judge did.
0: Yeah, luck. Luckily for us, you
1: know the guy who had a view of it. Not you.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, well, what goes around comes around. Anyway, hey, Crystal Palace has been a house of horrors for Liverpool. I guess it's finally time they turned the tables a little bit, you know, being up 3-0 in a match. We're trying to win the Premier League. Anyway, it was Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2, as Benteke took the penalty to win it, worth all 30-plus million pounds he made this year. And finally, on Sunday, it was West Brom 1, Manchester United 0. That's the one we forgot. It was little Juan Mata. Juan Mata with his first sending off in the Premier League took two yellows in quick succession within the first half hour of the match. Manchester United playing a man down, never really could get anything going forward. And finally, Solomon Rondon put them out of their misery with the winning goal for Tony Pulis' men. So, Wes, that is how the matches shook up and shook out. Um, let's go a little more in-depth and and talk a little bit more about the match other than the Benteke match thing that happened. Uh you you've said what you wanted to say. So let's let's talk about it. Uh Liverpool being thrown a lifeline really by Palace's goalkeeper to get back in the match down a man and then won it late.
1: Oh horrible, horrible howler from Alex McCarthy. Um you know was going for a clearance. Foot started to slip out from under him. Ball goes straight to Roberto Firmino about Ten yards away from him, Firmino slots home for the uh, for the equalizer. And at this point, uh, you know what was funny about it: Liverpool started the match out like a house on fire. About the first eight minutes of the match, um, looked like they could put half a dozen goals by Palace. Then Palace really picked it up. Uh, we had an Emmanuel Adebayor signing. What? Uh, that's right. He even tried.
0: Yes, I did. I did actually see them. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he actually played pretty well.
1: Yeah, played pretty well. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, Yannick Bellassi, who is uh, kind of like, uh, he, he's reached all, I believe, Krampus level <laughs> on Merseyside when it comes to Liverpool. Um, you know, he was flying down that wing early. Uh, John Flanagan looked a, a step off the pace with Bellassi. Uh, so I think Crystal Palace a little unlucky in the first half hour not to come away with a goal. Liverpool... Pretty much the same, could have had a couple of goals. Um, uh, Joe Ledley opened up the scoring in the second half. First time he scored in over a year. Yeah. So, you know, that was just fitting. Uh, Then the howler uh, by McCarthy that went to Firmino. Um, Liverpool had a chance to win it a few minutes before the 90. Alberto Moreno hit a stunningly gorgeous shot from about, say, 15 yards outside the box. And have McCarthy beat all day, and the ball hits the woodwork, hits the inside of the woodwork, and instead of bouncing, you know, instead of hitting the angle and going into the goal, it hits an angle and crosses right across the face of goal. No one able to put it back in. So uh, at that point, as a Liverpool fan, I'm sitting there going, damn it, we're going to get one point from this, and we've had three or four beautiful shots. Uh, Then the, uh, you know, comes down, I've been taking down inside the box. Um, give Mateke some credit. As soon as he came in the match, very first, uh, action he saw, uh, came in on a corner and, um, had the ball fall at his feet and gave a really weak effort mm-hmm. that could have put Liverpool up. Um, so, you know, give him credit for keeping his head in the match. He, uh, God, I was, I was about ready to hit send on my, uh, on my tweet saying, how fast can we get Benteke the hell out of town? <laughs> uh, luckily, I held off on that. Didn't, didn't hit send on that tweet. Um, you know, changed it around a little bit. Still, still not exactly sold on Benteke. But uh, uh, lot, lots of credit. He worked hard at the end. Uh, he, uh, I, I, I do feel he earned that penalty and uh, stepped up, calmly put it away. And Liverpool got a very crucial three points, and don't look now in your rearview mirror, Manchester teams, but the Reds are nipping at your heels.
0: It's a lot of teams nipping
1: at their how heels. Many, how many times have we put dirt on Liverpool this year and buried them?
0: <sighs> we're we're starting to run out. We're we're actually starting to run out of dirt at this point. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, on Milner though? That that was maybe one of the oh. downers of the game.
1: Well, he deserved it. Um, Liverpool came out to me. What it looked like um, the last few seasons, Crystal Palace have just completely outmuscled and outphysical Liverpool every time they've played against each other, and uh, Palace have deserved the uh, the results they've been able to get off Liverpool the last few years. I think Liverpool came into this match. You know, I could see before the match, I could see Klopp giving them the team talk. You know, fellas, go out there. Hey, you know, if, if you if you don't push them back, they're just going to push you around all game, and it's going to be more of the same. So go out there, be physical, play. Uh, Henderson and Milner both picked up early yellow cards. Uh, just just playing physical, sticking in. Um, I mean, both were deserved. Don't get me wrong. And then uh, late on in the second half, um, Liverpool actually just made a substitution. Um, uh, came in um, I believe it was Coutinho came in for John Flanagan and Milner was going to be shifted to playing right back uh, Milner, very, he is a very versatile player uh, he was going to be shifted to right back actually and before we even went on defense um, Milner takes a bad corner uh, gets the ball back, loses the ball and then trying to win the ball back goes in for a tackle ball is gone before he ever gets there Takes out the uh, takes out the palace player. It, it was an it was an easy decision. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he made it easy for the official, mm-hmm. and that's why you didn't see him really throwing a fit about it. He knew it; it was deserved. Um, yeah, no, absolutely zero controversy to the record.
0: Yeah, and and that's actually something I think we noticed a lot this weekend. Actually, was that of all the sending offs, pretty much every single one of them was deserved. Um, Morales Mata. Uh, Kakelen, uh Milner included. Uh, some actually pretty decent officiating. Um, maybe, maybe Swansea should have had a penalty. Maybe Liverpool shouldn't have. It's but more often than not, uh, Premier League officials actually had a pretty, pretty good weekend outside of, outside of those two couple calls. Um, so Liverpool, as you say, are, are are making a surge to try to get back. Into to that champions league of glory where i don't know if the old adage holds true though if you shoot for the stars well if you fall short you've made it to the moon in this case however the moon is the europa league so just just be careful about shooting too far maybe icarus is the more likely story here
1: we're still in that too
0: yeah that's That's true. We'll be talking about that coming up here. Um, Let's head uh, to the North London Derby. Uh, One fit for the name that it represents. uh, An absolutely fantastic match between two teams fighting for every point they can get. Um, Arsenal starting out, um, getting the goal in the first half by Aaron Ramsey. And of course, that promptly killed uh, poor old Nancy Reagan. God bless. Four, God bless you, Nancy. Uh, Aaron Ramsey should have known better. Um, Arsenal's goal, though, definitely coming uh, against the run of play, kind of almost like it did last year, and was a major reason why even down 1-0, while while you're always heartbroken, to, to, to go down a goal against your hated rivals, I, I still felt like Spurs could easily turn this around. They were playing very well. Not... Finishing very clinically in the final third, uh, but they looked very comfortable in possession, were very good attacking, and even looked really good defensively. Um, Arsenal really had very few chances up to that point, and uh, just kind of sort of were a little bit fortunate to get their goal there. Then in the second half, of course, everything turned around after the Karkaland Red card for his second poor challenge on the day, um, and then in the span of two minutes, Spurs turned everything on its head. Goals by Out of and Kane, um, and man, could you see how much that goal meant to Kane? Ripping off his his Batman plastic face mask and throwing it to the ground in celebration. Um, really, you We're know,
1: feeling hideously deformed. Thanks.
0: Yeah, he's not Deadpool. Hey, come on now, um, and and I I think this is oh man. Now you've made me completely lose my train of thought. What was I going? Oh, I know what I was gonna say. I, I think, I think we can officially put to bed anybody who still thinks Harry Kane is a one season wonder. Like, is 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 anybody still out there that that thinks that? I can't believe
1: it. Well, I mean, now trust me, there are definitely people who do. Um, I mean, they're called Arsenal fans. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's what it is. It's what it is now. The young man's proven it on the field.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Sanchez, though, getting that late goal, again, sort of against the run of play, uh, breaking through the defense, still think Lloris should have maybe done better on the shot and poked it more clear. Uh, but unfortunately, that's that kind of split things up. Uh, again, despite Tottenham. Uh, more than doubling Arsenal in shots, having the possession. uh, There was maybe a a, a little bit of controversy that maybe Eric Dyer should have been sent off for a second yellow. Uh, What we don't like to talk about is that Bellerin clearly also should have gotten a second yellow. So I feel like the the decision there is kind of moot. Um, I will also give a lot of credit on this match to Eric Lamella. Um, Picked up an incredibly stupid 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 yellow about 24 or sorry 28 minutes into the match uh ospina was kicking out from his own uh goal box and and lamella just kind of brought down theo walcott or not walcott well back for almost no reason and was given a yellow card and given how how feisty he had been defensively i was like oh shit lamella's gonna do something else stupid and he's gonna go get sent off, and we're gonna be down a man. So I, I was honestly thinking Poch was gonna substitute him at the half. He did not. Lamella kept going hard, but he played a hell of a lot smarter. And this is this is the Eric Lamella I love. Got an assist uh, on the Alderweireld goal, and, and I think he's he's somebody that Wes has has really grown under Spurs. This is somebody who even going into this year we're thinking, man, is he gonna put it all together? Well, now I think what we're realizing for Lamella is maybe he's never going to score a ton of goals, but his work rate, to use the cliche, is so much better than it's been previously. And, and it just looks like he has totally bought into this program. And I just hope that as he's now bought into the program, that goals keep coming for him. Because where earlier in seasons past, I was thinking, man, I don't know what we're going to do with this kid. Now I think he's, he's totally bought in. And I love seeing him really get the plot. It's not even when he's not scoring, he's still contributing to the team.
1: He is. Um, I think that's that's just kind of been one of the things on him as, uh, you know, I think when Spurs bought him, they were expecting to get a, a playmaking goal scorer. You know, mm-hmm. a guy who was going to really Literally. really of, uh, But, you know, um <laughs> I think, you know, they they were expecting to get a guy who I think was going to be one of those put butts in seats. You know, maybe be kind of a poor man's, uh, uh, you know, messy almost. But, you know, instead, I mean, they're just getting a really, really, really good player who's uh, doing a lot of different things for them and is helping them, you know, helping them more with the dirty work. Mm-hmm. But is also uh, hes he's really contributing. He's really starting to contribute now on the offensive end of the field.
0: Yeah, really impressed by him. Um, of course, Spurs, you know, gave away the lead. But, I mean, I, I saw one uh, one shot on goal that I think literally was kept out by about a half an inch on, on the goal decision. I Just, you know, sometimes you have a little bit of luck and sometimes you just don't. Uh, that I believe that would have made it 3-1 and would really have put the game away, I think. But unfortunately, did not happen. Um, do you, did you have any other thoughts on the North London Derby, West?
1: Uh, yeah, cu- a couple of things sure. I wanted to add there. Um, a, uh, let me ask you about uh, Cocklin. You know, Cocklin in the red card. Uh, do you think that? Uh, do you think Kane kind of baited him into that second yellow card?
0: In in a way, yes. Uh, but I think I don't know. I, I think that's being a little savvy. I think a, a sort of similar thing happened last year in the home Chelsea fixture. Um, right near, right at the end of the first half, there was that ball played in, into the box, and Gary Cahill was the closer man to it, but he didn't go really hard after it. Harry Kane took off, got to it first, and then Cahill clumsily fouled him. And there was really almost nothing he could do about it but he just he I don't think he was expecting Kane to get there fouled him in the box penalty three one spurs go go to the half I think that's sort of the same thing there I I think baiting him is is a, is a poor term to use there Not, no offense because I I think that that's something more that Diego Costa would do he would he would bait someone into picking up a, a card on him I I think I think we can be kinder to Kane and say that it, that was savvy football. I definitely think he knew what he was doing. Um, I will agree with that. And I, I think he knew exactly where Coughlin was, but I, I think Coughlin's got to be better. I think I think that's all on him.
1: Um, I guess my next thing, uh, <clears throat> something pointed out, you know, this point of the season, here we are, title race, both North London teams um, in you know, kind of in, in control of maybe making a title run here. And the match kind of comes down to, you know, what what's going to take more effect? That's so Spursy, or that's so Arsenal. And, I mean, at the end of the day, they both end up getting a point. I think um, the Arsenal feel hard done, but Spurs, I think, have got to feel some disappointment only coming out with a point. Now, yeah, you know, I think if, if people had told Spurs fans, you know, hey, you're going to come out of the North London Derby with a draw, 2-2, I think most Spurs fans would have been happy about it. But when you've got that late lead, yeah. and then you give up that equalizer to Sanchez, that that's tough, especially just sitting there in the title race when two more points would have been math.
0: Well, my question to you, then, is why would Arsenal feel hard done?
1: Just, just because they're Arsenal.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's I fair. Mean,
1: mostly, mostly just because they're Arsenal. And they always feel like somebody's out to screw them over. Uh, <laughs> right. And, you know, I mean, they, they had the lead. Uh, and then, of course, they, they blew the lead. Um, just one of those things. Oh, and I just want to I want to give a quick, quick special shout out to uh, your own uh, Delhi Ali. Uh, that little flick he had that set up, I believe it was the Kangol. Yes, that it was.
0: Yes, it was.
1: Oh, my God. Goodness, that's I, I, just as an England fan. Yeah, it's just something that you don't see England players do.
0: Yeah, he's good, isn't he?
1: Oh, that was that was gorgeous. I, I, I fucking hate the Liverpool, uh, yeah, uh, signing committee yeah. right now who who didn't want to pay that guy because I mean, from all accounts, we literally we had Delhi Ali in the door. Oh yeah, I mean, he was at Millwood like picking out his boots to go practice, and they're like, ah, no, nah, we're not gonna give you enough money it's like you you fucking fucks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now and I mean now we're sitting here on like maybe the best english midfield prospect you know well, well I'll say prospect but also just maybe the best young english midfielder in since maybe Gerard and Lampard yeah <laughs> and um and, and Liverpool basically basically blew their opportunity to get him.
0: Yeah, there there will be other opportunities I'm sure
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get him off around Madrid one day.
0: There you go. Uh, no, Dele Alli is just positively great. Uh, that 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 kid, which I guess you could say about almost all the players on Spurs right now, uh, is it could could be something special. And I think the one thing I was thinking of, if if I take a little bit of heart, is that you know no matter how much, no matter where the season ends up for Spurs, y- you never know. But with all of them being still so young. They all have room to grow like they could all get better, some more than others. But I think there's there's places where every one of them could continue to get better. I think it's unrealistic to think that all of them will get better. But I, I don't think it's it's too naive to think that some of them will continue to get better. And and I, I'm still very excited. Um, I know it's disheartening. To, to where we could have had, you know, been I guess three points just behind Leicester now. Instead, it's five. But you know, it's it's just one of those things, and and we just got to be better next time. I still think, you know, Spurs. You know, we they've talked about how good their defense is. Um, they um, they they have sometimes unfortunately let leads slip late this season, and that has cost them more than I think in this match. Um, I mean, you can go back and look, uh, being up. 2-0 against Stoke at home with 15 minutes to play and getting a draw. Uh, losing to Newcastle 2-1 at home when you lead 1-0 late. Uh, not not beating a future MLS keeper Tim Howard at home despite throwing about 100 shots at him. Th- those are the results at the end of the season if we do not win the, ch- the, 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 the Premier League. I will look back on and rue probably more than not getting three points in this North London derby. But that is just my opinion. Um, Wes, let's finish our Premier League Weekend recap with quickly. Has Lester won the title? No. Oh, okay.
1: I still think it's open. They, um, they don't have the easiest run-in.
0: That is true. They uh, do not.
1: And if uh, yeah, I know you mentioned a little earlier, on uh, has some questions about his health at the moment. Um, for all the Jamie Vardy love that there's been this season, which has been well deserved, yes. Don't get me wrong, Maras has been the guy who has been the engine of this Leicester squad. Certainly, and agree. if yeah. he is, uh, if he's suffering from an injury and he's going to miss any sort of an extended period, uh, even two to three matches. Um, I could definitely see Lester losing points. I mean, Raya Mares is, is maybe the player of the year in the Premier League. Um, and that—that that is, I believe that's the one guy that they
0: cannot replace. Well, let me ask you, and I, I do believe you're right, and that's exactly why. And I we've talked about this uh, Sunday night when we were together. Um, if if, if Leicester was going to sell someone, they should have sold Vardy and, and just locked up Mahrez. But That's, that's a to- uh, topic for another day. Um, so I will ask you then, if Leicester aren't a lock to win the league yet, who can challenge them? Who could uh, still win the league? How, how far down the table do you go?
1: I still think Spurs, and just because just they're there, I still think Arsenal can. Um, I just, I don't believe Arsenal have the wherewithal to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could totally see Arsenal continuing to shit run a form and pushing themselves out of it, mm-hmm. but as it stands at the moment, um, yeah, after what they did to Hull in the FA Cup, uh, I could still see Arsenal perhaps making a run. Um, that said, I literally would not bet a piece of nickel candy on them doing <laughs> it. Uh but yeah, I can see him doing it. And, and real quick, just to get back, just to respond to your uh, mares Vardy thing, here's the deal, man. You can you can lock Mares up on a contract as long as you want. He's probably going to Barcelona this summer.
0: Do, do you really? Do you think that? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, because he's he's done it now. I mean, he did in the Premier League. I mean, that's the thing. He did in the Premier League, and and if, and the, if they win the title. I mean, what else do you really have to prove?
0: That's true. You're right.
1: And I mean, and that's a guy who could really help out at Barcelona. So, I mean, the only, I think the only thing, I think Vardy, you can have Vardy long-term
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because, I mean, he's British, you know, he's he's like a freaking god now in Leicester. Uh, Mares is still young. He's ultra talented. I, I have no idea how the hell no one none of the big guns in the Premier League saw this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, He'd be fantastic in red, of course. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean he's going to Barcelona one way or the other. So um, I think I just I think Vardy long term is still the guy for them to hold on to. All
0: right, that's 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 where we will agree to disagree then, as we. I know. We are going to take a look now at your fixture list for this upcoming weekend. A lot of matches getting postponed because of the FA Cup. So on Saturday you only get three matches. You get Norwich City hosting Manchester City at 7:45 a.m. and then at 10 o'clock you get Bournemouth hosting Swansea and Stoke hosting Southampton. This should actually be a pretty good match. Um, and then on Sunday you only get one match. I'm sorry, it's at noon and it's Aston Villa. Hosting Tottenham. I'm I'm sorry. I really truly am. We could have gotten Liverpool Chelsea. Instead, we'll have to make do with Aston Villa Tottenham. We do get a Monday match, though. We do get a Monday match, four o'clock. Leicester City takes on Newcastle. So there is that.
1: That's, that's literally just as bad. Yeah. I, mean, I, be- I believe isn't that. <clears throat> So let me get it right so we've got 2 versus 20 and I yeah. believe that's 1 versus 19.
0: Um well as we take a look at the Barclays Premier League table we do see that yes West Bradshaw you are absolutely correct. <laughs> um as we look at the table Leicester is on top with 60 points Tottenham 5 back Arsenal seven or sorry no so arsenal eight back manchester city 10 back but do have match in hand uh west ham currently in fifth with 49 points uh united in sixth with 47 and liverpool in seventh with 44 and at the bottom of your heart the relegation zone which due to wins by uh, a win by swansea and a win by bournemouth is looking increasingly like these are the four teams there you go Uh, Sunderland just outside with 25 points. Norwich have 24. Newcastle have 24. And Villa have just 16. Newcastle do have match in hand. That is a match against Manchester City. So I do not know how many points they will get for that. Although because it's City, you never really know. Uh, But that is (laughs) how the table looks right now as we head into this abbreviated match. Premier League weekend. Wes we dust that aside and now we take on the Champions League uh, as we had second leg fixtures of ties here in the round of 16 for the Champions League and man some of them were okay and some of them were really really good. Uh, Let's start with Wolfsburg beating Gent 1-0 uh, and winning 4-2 on aggregate. Andres Schurl, uh, one-time Chelsea castoff, uh, won it for Wolfsburg in the 74th minute. Putting them through to the round of eight for the first time in club history. Uh, elsewhere, elsewhere, sorry, it was Real Madrid 2, Roma 0, goals from Cristiano Ronaldo, and James Rodriguez, just four minutes apart, sealed the 4-0 aggregate win for Madrid. Uh, on Wednesday, it was Zenit 1, Benfica. 2 Hulk smash and in the 69th minute had brought Zenit level on aggregate leading 1-0 in St. Petersburg but Nicolas Gaetan put Benfica back up and it was clinched by Taliska in the 96th minute putting through Benfica 3-1 on aggregate Zenit who went through the group stage without a loss goes crashing out in the round of 16. And finally, at Stamford Bridge, it was Chelsea 1, Paris Saint-Germain 2. Oh,
1: you uh, blew it for me.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. What did you but want to you say?
1: totally knew what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Spoilers. Uh, Adrian Rybott's uh, scored in the 16th minute on a setup in the box from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, Diego Costa responded at the 27th minute, and it was match on, 1-1 uh, at the bridge, 3-2 on aggregate, PSG led, but then Ibra put it away in the 67th minute. PSG goes to the round of eight, For the second straight year going through Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, this time 4 2 on aggregate. No need for extra time this year. So, again, your quarter finalists as of now include PSG, Wolfsburg, Benfica, and Real Madrid. Um, Still to come next week Atletico versus Eindhoven, City versus Kiev, Barcelona versus Arsenal, and Munich versus UVE. Wes, Though, it's the match you are watching right now. Paris Saint-Germain, just too much for Chelsea, even after Chelsea got back in after the Diego Costa goal in the 27th minute.
1: Costa seemed like about the only guy who really showed up today for Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he was, until he left injured, um, you know, Chelsea kind of had that look like they were going to tie up Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, this tie for lack of a better term. no
0: certainly the brighter side for stretches of that game
1: um but the problem was it, it seemed like it was just costa and as soon as costa went out they just uh they fell apart they folded and um at the end of the day psg they just played better overall i uh, was latin your man of the match Di maria was very good fantastic um you know lucas mora good match out on the uh, on the left um, they attacked with aplomb. Uh, they, they always seemed the better team. Mm-hmm. Chelsea may have seemed like they were going to, uh, equalize it for a time, but, um, PSG always felt like the better team. Um, at the end of the day, definitely the better squad went through. I mean, let's just, let's be honest. This is a team who is, uh don't believe have lost a match in the domestic. Nope, league they did.
0: Year. They did lose one uh, yeah, did. Toluca, right. yep. to Luca. Yep. Toluca or no, no, I believe. No, you're right. You're right. It was Leon. It was you're Leon. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I believe they lost. Yeah. So they lose a match to Leon. Um, but I mean, this team who has dominated the French League this year um, against for all, all other terms, a mid table Premier League team. Yeah. So uh, the, the right team won. The right team went through uh fourth consecutive year PSg have made it now to the quarterfinal uh you know PSg are they're they are so much like man City actually it's it's not really funny you know both having tradition but little overall success for mm-hmm. decades until they got the uh the Petra money coming in um you, you know both from their own, Sheiks. Um, so, you know, four straight years now in the quarterfinal for them, that that's a huge step. I believe this is the best PSG team that we've seen since the oil money started flowing into Paris.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I really, really think unless they're matched up with pretty much maybe Barcelona and maybe Bayern – I think there are five other teams that they have extremely good chances to knock out in the quarterfinal. I just, the last thing you want to see is them match up with Barcelona again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. You know, somebody different, hell, you know, it would be an absolute fantastic time to see them play Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something to definitely keep an eye on going forward, but, uh, you know, good on good on PSG. Uh, Zlatan, it looks like it's probably going to be his last year in Paris. Yeah, I would love to see him uh, take this squad deep. Uh, I, I do believe PSG are pretty much the, uh, the adopted team of the uh, of Foreign Affair podcast. B- uh,
0: the adopted French team, absolutely.
1: Yes. Well, I, I would almost say just the adopted team, ju- just because it does have the only those collected favorite player.
0: Yes, it does. It does.
1: So, uh, you know, we definitely want to see uh, Zlatan uh, doing well. If Tottenham and Liverpool can't win it, God dang it, let Zlatan
0: win it. Absolutely. I got two uh, last questions here, and we'll wrap up our Champions League talk. Um, firstly, about PSG, was anhel De Maria the missing piece? Like, like, is he the guy that is... Because you say this is the best team they've had since they, they've got that petrol money coming in. Was Angel Di Maria like the missing link that is going to tie this whole team together and push them through to the semifinals and maybe even beyond?
1: I mean, he may be. I mean, he's... You know, the, the Angel Di Maria that we saw at Manchester United Ugh. was such aberration. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I do believe we just saw... I just don't think the guy's suited for English football.
0: Well, I don't think he wanted to be there either. I think that's also...
1: You're absolutely right. He was... uh, At that point, he was extremely miffed about... um, I guess what he felt was being pushed out of Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Even even after... Basically, he was the MVP of the... For lack of an... We'll give it an American term. He was the MVP of the final. Yeah. For La Decima. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it just seemed like... You know, for about a week it was all Di Maria, and then after that it's like, oh, okay, now they're going to sell Di Maria. Yeah. And I think he, I think, to, I think to come down to it, he had his feelings hurt. Hmm. I mean, and that's that's understandable. I mean, this isn't Yaya Toure birthday cake. Feelings hurt. No. I mean, we're talking, you know, a guy who had given heart and soul to a club, um, and had absolutely excelled, and then they're just like, uh, all right, well, we just want some new big names, so we're going to sell you. And then I, I believe at that point he really wanted to go to PSG. He was like, "Okay, well, I'll go to PSG." And they're like, "Well, no, United's offering us more money, so we're sending you there." Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think he, uh, I think he did, he did what was right for uh, for uh, Real Madrid. He got him the best price. But you could tell, I mean, from day one, he was very unhappy at Manchester. And then on top of that, um, when You know, about midway through the season, his house was broken into Mm -hmm. with his family home. And at that point, you could just see, I think he was saying, I don't really give a shit where I go. I just want out of here. Right. And I want out of England in general. Mm -hmm. So, um, luckily for him, he was able to, uh, you know, uh, PSG still really wanted him. Uh, They were able to make a deal. And he ended up in where I think is absolutely the best place for him.
0: Certainly. Um, it's, it's good to see him playing with some verve again. Uh, and my final question is, Goose Hitting, and I texted this to you, Goose uh had a, a fairly interesting quote in his post-match press conference, um, as reported by uh, Daniel Taylor, who was there on Twitter. Um, he, he mentioned that uh, the the fans had booed uh, Ed Nazard when he came off and was substituted. And, and Hitting's response was that The fans have every right to do that. Now, I I think while he's absolutely correct, and the fans do have a right—you're paying customers—as long as you're not insulting and and talking about players' families or whatever, you you have a right to boo them if you don't feel like they're giving you adequate effort. What's curious about that is that usually you'd still see the the manager trying to spin it a little bit. Like just one thing or another, you know, saying, well, you know, maybe that's not fair. Maybe Azard is not playing at 100%, they have this or that. But he just said, you know, no, the fans have every right to do that, which to me means Hitting wasn't very happy with Azard either. And in a year where it seemed like it was very nice and very convenient to blame a lot of Chelsea's struggles. Uh, on Mourinho and and give a lot of credit to them since he went uh, he moved on there's still some really bad things going on at Chelsea and it seems like Eden Hazard is one of them
1: well I mean Eden Hazard uh, you know we just got done talking about Di Maria yeah Uh, now his you know his reasons are nowhere near Di Maria level here but this is a guy who like Di Maria could completely use a change of scenery whether, I, I personally, I, I don't think he should go to Real Madrid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I don't think you go to Real Madrid when you're coming off a bad season and people have big questions about you.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: go to Real Madrid when you're firing and you're at the top of your, of your uh, game. Right. Because, I mean, you want to talk about being in a damn shark tank. Oof. I mean, if you go to Real Madrid and don't perform, you know where you're going to be. You're going to be at the end of a bench that no one ever hears from you again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at Real Madrid's bench that they don't name for a you're, lot of their. Matches,
0: you're Ishko. You are James Rodriguez at this point.
1: Uh, um, even more than that, you're, you're Matea Kovacic, who is, you yeah. know, came from Inter and was one of the absolute hottest young names in Europe. And they literally picked him up just for like third third-team insurance almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eden Hazard has not had the season. And, the, and then another thing, he plays the same position virtually as Ronaldo. Yeah. And Bale. So, you know, it's not like Eden Hazard's just walking into Man- into uh, Real Madrid and uh, being guaranteed a starting spot there. <clears throat> um, as far as what Goose Henning said, I think when you have... And, and it's not Eden Hazard himself saying all of it, but when your camp has come out all season talking about how you want to leave and you want to go to Madrid or you want to go to PSG, yeah. at the end of the day, you're not really buying yourself uh, the benefit of the doubt, from especially from a guy who's kind of the, the interim manager.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, what loyalty should he have to you if you've been, you know, basically trashing the club for three or four months now? So, um, You know, to me, I mean, I could totally see something happening here and Hazard getting just absolutely slaughtered even more. Um, And I think you're going to see an issue where Chelsea fans boom potentially for the rest of the season.
0: And which is a stunning to think about the man who was voted player of the year last year on this very team and is now going to be out the door, probably fairly unceremoniously, uh, from it's a true riches to rags story, potentially for Azard. Will he go back to riches maybe in the bank account, but we will see if he's able to return to the form he had last season's campaign, even the season before that, when he was the young player of the year. Um, as we continue on to the Europa League, uh, the matches that take place Thursday, which is at least when you're listening to this podcast, um, Shakhtar versus Anderlecht, Basel versus Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund versus Tottenham, Fenerbashi versus Braga, Villarreal versus Bayer Leverkusen, Bilbao versus Valencia in an all Spanish battle, Liverpool versus Manchester United in an all English battle, and Sparta Prague versus Lazio in an all czech italian battle that's what we're gonna go with
1: <laughs> those are
0: your those are your round of 16 matchup first legs in europa league secondly uh legs to come next week and next week is when we'll talk about the first legs and then we'll do uh draws and stuff after that uh finally we uh wrap up our actual match coverage with the only fa cup replay um, in the fifth round of the FA Cup, it was Arsenal 4 Hall nil. after going goalless at the Emirates. Arsenal ran rampant. Uh, against Hull. uh, Braces from Giroud and Wolcott at the KC. Send Arsene Wenger's men through uh, against Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, I think, very happy now to be out of the FA Cup and can concentrate solely on getting his team promoted back to the Premier League. It does set up sixth round proper uh, with Reading versus Crystal Palace. Reading, the only non-Premier League side still in this competition as we hit the final eight. But don't count them out. Crystal Palace, the only team in the top four leagues in England that has not won since the start of 2016. Something to keep in mind there. Uh, And that's in the Premier League. I know they beat Spurs in the FA Cup, but that's Premier League only. Anyway, Everton plays Chelsea. Chelsea. Arsenal plays Watford, and Manchester United plays West Ham. That could actually be very, very good. West Ham could go to Old Trafford and definitely get a win with their current form. That sets up the semifinals, which, of course, will be played at Wembley in late April. So, Wes, uh, that now sends us to news and notes. And again, this big story that you want to talk about last week. And unfortunately, we kind of completely forgot. But now there's new information. Um Charlie Stiletano, an American sports executive and the chairman of Relevant Sports who we're familiar with, Wes, because they put on the International Champions Cup Tournament presented by Guinness that we have been to the last two years in Charlotte and very much enjoyed ourselves. Well, he kind of opened his mouth and, and decided to say some things that um, that maybe he shouldn't have. He said... And I'm going to assume he has a very... uh, No, I'm not going to do an accent. F that. What would Manchester United argue? Did we create soccer or did Leicester create it? Let's call it the money pot created by soccer and the fandom around the world. Who has had more of an integral role? Manchester United or Leicester? It's a wonderful, wonderful story. But you could see it from Manchester United's point of view too. You know, the fact that they were good a couple years ago for a long stretch, and now they're crap, but hey, they should still be in the Champions League, because... Seriously, because. Does anybody have an answer here? I don't know it.
1: They they drive the market. I mean, and Ed, I'm gonna say this in, in all honesty. Um, and don't... I, I don't... I don't want to see them change the Champions League format. I I love the Champions League. Uh, Even if my beloved pool don't make it, I still love the Champions League. But let's put it this way. Uh, Football is, obviously it's all over the globe as we know. Now it's starting to really saturate some really big markets. Uh, China, the United States... Uh, other spots in North America where, you know, it, it hasn't been that big in the past. It's starting to saturate that. More eyes on the TVs, uh, more money into the pockets of uh, of the teams and of the owners. <clears throat> and Ed, I'm just going to say this. You know, when I turn on the television, if I'm a casual fan, am I going to be more excited to watch? A sixth place in the Premier League, Manchester United, play, I'm guessing fifth place in the Italian League, AC Milan, mm-hmm. for example. Am I more excited to watch them or to watch Basil play Leicester? What is going to draw more eyes to the television? the names Man United and AC Milan, even though they're not nearly as good as those other two right now, those names are going to draw double, triple, quadruple the number. And that's what this whole Super League is looking at. It's looking at the elite teams that are going to draw numbers pretty much no matter what.
0: And, and I get that, but you have reports coming out this, uh, this week that sponsors are starting to drop united like like united is losing value so i feel like this at at this point is just them trying to claw back into it and that's that's not fair and and i don't agree and then there's also the talk about this the super the european super league which would be a a fucking nightmare like this this doesn't need to happen
1: i mean it's something cool to play on fifa
0: well yeah, I mean for that it's, it'd be fine.
1: Yeah, but I mean as you said, I mean, it is a nightmare. And uh, I mean and and here's another thing. I, I don't know if someone could come up with an amount of money to get the Premier League to or, or for basically five Premier League teams to say, you know what, we're gonna give up this money. Yeah. Because I mean the Premier League the Premier League money's got massive. They're flush because you
0: know? of the T V contract.
1: But don't forget too, you know, England aren't the only People in the world, in the world of football. Obviously, yeah. you're talking Spain. You're talking Italy. You, you know, you're talking Italy, who the money is not just flowing. Yeah. For everyone right now, you're talking Spain, where the money's not flowing for everyone. Uh, Germany does well, but Germany's not even. I mean, even Bayern Munich, it's not massive. It's not massive money. Like, I mean, let's put it this way: Bayern Munich money. I don't know this for certain. I'm just guessing. I mean, it's probably close to West Ham money. You know, Munich just, Munich have done it for longer. They've put together better and they're a great draw. But, um, I mean, as far as revenue, Mm -hmm. and maybe Munich isn't the best uh, example, but anyone like, I mean, Dortmund. Right. tell me probably that West Ham's not uh, bringing more, West Ham's bringing in more revenue than Dortmund. Or, I mean, even, you know, West Brom almost. (laughs) And that's just with those TV deals. But, I mean, I'm I'm understanding. I'm I'm not supporting, but I understand where they would want something where they guarantee European elite. Because then every round you can have, quote, a sexy tie. Every round you can have it be PSG-Chelsea. You know, uh, I mean you don't have to have for what it's worth, you don't have Zenit Benfica. Mm-hmm. Which really no one outside of Russia or Portugal watched that match. Right. Um you know, Wolfsburg and Ghent. Neither one of those are ending up in this super league. Wolfsburg I don't I don't think so. But, you know, that that's another match outside of Germany and uh gint stand wherever that is, wherever gint is i oh. believe it's sweden i don't know sweden switzerland something um no one's watching that but like i say you know every everyone will tune in for united and ac milan because it's united ac milan mm-hmm. so i mean that's what I, was, I understand it i really hope nothing comes of this mm-hmm. but i can under i can understand the worldwide appeal of when you can put out big name versus big name every single time you turn on the TV to watch
0: Um, Just just to do a little a little quick fact checking, uh, Bayern was actually probably a terrible choice since they are the fourth highest valued club in the world, um, yeah. just outside of Madrid, Barcelona, and Manchester United, and well ahead of Manchester City, I might say. Well,
1: uh, now, I'm not saying value so much as I'm saying revenue.
0: Um, well, let me, okay, let me, let me see if I can sort by revenue here. Um, revenue, they're third. So, Uh your argument still doesn't... Yeah, so
1: my my Bayern argument does not hold water, okay. But Bayern is more of an outlier.
0: To be fair, to be somewhat fair to you, though, West Uh Ham does, is 19th. Or, they're 19th in current value, 20th in revenue, in the world. Where's Dortmund? Dortmund is 11th in both. Okay, okay. West Ham is actually closer, really, to, right now, Newcastle and Galatasaray than they are to Dortmund.
1: Any other German teams in there?
0: Uh, Schalke. Okay. Uh, And that's it. Here, we'll go through the list real quick. Uh, Real, this is uh, revenue only. Real, United, Bayern, Barcelona, PSG, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Juventus, uh, Dortmund, Milan, Spurs, Schalke. Uh, Atletico, Napoli, Inter Milan, Galatasaray, Newcastle, West Ham.
1: That's I mean, list. there's the thing, you know. I mean, you've got
0: so here's I the mean, thing: Does Newcastle fucking get into this league because they're top twenty in revenue?
1: <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I don't think that gets them in. Um, and, and that's why I would also like to know: Well, what's going to get you into this league? Right. I mean, because I mean, when they say European elite. I mean, you're not—you're certainly not talking about Newcastle. You know, no offense, you're not talking about Spurs when you say European elite. You're right. Um, and, and I mean, even even someone like Liverpool. Now, yes, with the revenue, obviously Liverpool are in there. But you know, like a Liverpool is, and, and say AC Milan, they're those um, like historically great European sides, right? You know, I mean, both both uh, winning five plus Champions Leagues, <clears throat> you know, European Cups. Um, you know I mean I mean basically it's um, Real AC Milan and then Byron and Liverpool with five so I mm-hmm. mean you know they're you're more historic and but then you see they still bring in the revenue uh, I don't believe Newcastle would find their way in there um, I think they would have other um, uh, qualifications to yeah. get your stuff It's hard to
0: bring a championship team into the uh, this super league.
1: It's oh, now. You're super European elite. Oh shit! Um, but I mean, that's the thing, you know. I mean, just about well, let's put, just about every team on that list,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not you, Newcastle. You know, most m- most teams out of twenty, let's say sixteen, you are watching a hundred times over before you watch Leicester in Europe.
0: Well, let me ask you this, and you won't hurt my feelings if you were gonna take 16 teams would you take tottenham
1: I, I once again I want to see what the um what the description of this of this league is uh-huh because I'm gonna say as a worldwide brand as a worldwide brand tottenham are not in the same league with those other five Premier League sides mm-hmm and I'll call them the big five because City have fought their way in. Obviously, we're talking United, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Spurs on a worldwide level are not on... I mean, they're, they're not in the conversation with those teams. Um, <clears throat> and, and most of it is... It, it's worldwide. It's branding. It's marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know if you're putting Spurs in because... I mean, they're, they are not considered an elite European side Mm -hmm. at this point. They're not, I mean, give them three years. If we revisit this, they might be, but um, I think just if you look at traditionally and then, um, you know, where it's gone over the last five years, I don't think Spurs is in that group.
0: Well, and then I feel like there's the next question is, do you have relegation from this league? like like if united keep going on a downswing and spurs keep trekking up do do they jump into this super league and someone like united fall out and then and then what does a team like united do you've you've fallen out of this super league that you had to create to prop yourself up what what does then that say about a team and it doesn't have to be united it could be an ac milan it could be a team like that
1: um, at, at this point, I don't believe that they're looking at uh, at any sort of relegation out of the league. And I mean, here here's my thing: you know, if you take sixteen teams into this league, let's just let's just use AC Milan. We're using them as our guinea pig anyway. Let's say AC Milan goes in and they're the sixteenth team in this league, and they just finish sixteenth every year, and mm-hmm. maybe fourteenth a few years in there. Um, I. I the way I've kind of heard it, or the way it's come to me, is there there would not be the threat of any sort of relegation or any sort of uh, losing your status in this league.
0: So, so then, what's the incentive to get better?
1: I just think, um, I, I think it, I would think it would be an internal incentive. All right. Um, the fact that if if this came to be, the only way these teams would agree to it, especially the English teams is If the amount of money was just so insanely immense, Mm -hmm. that I mean, you know, even if you suck, you would still be making more than everybody else, yeah. Um, and and then basically, I I mean, the thing is, there's no telling what that does to the rest of the world. I mean, does that just make the rest of the world like basically triple A,
0: yeah? I mean, because what is what does that do to what does that that do to League One? What does that do to help La Liga?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, well, I mean, does it make, just for example, does it make Spurs who, I mean, once again, we talked about it, we look at that Spurs roster right now, which is just full of vibrant youth. I mean, are are they basically getting cherry-picked as, say, one of the absolute best squads that does not get into that Super League? Or are they just getting cherry-picked then by Liverpool, United, and Arsenal? Um, just saying... Well, I mean guys, hey, come play in the Super League. This is your only way in. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I hate I hate the idea.
0: That's that's fucking depressing, dude.
1: I hate the idea. Oh god. I mean, and that's the thing. It totally it, it kills any sort of non super team. I mean, it, it basically kills you long term. Yeah. You you're never the same again because there's no chance for you to even compete at that point. I mean, right now, we're seeing this year in the Premier League, Leicester is the ultimate story of, hey, as we say in the United States, any given Sunday. Yeah. Leicester is the ultimate symbol of the any given Sunday mindset. And that's what the Premier League have built. And, and that's why, you know, I think there could be some discomfort in United. I really hope not at my beloved Liverpool, but maybe – is, you know, in in the past, you know, 10 years ago, there was only four or five teams in the Premier League who had money. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I mean, like we said, everybody's got it.
0: Yeah. Slavon Bilic said this week, he said there there is, there is going to be a shift in the Premier League because of all the money, and I think he's right.
1: Well, and I don't know so much if it's going to be a shift in the Premier League as, you know, I just think... Because I just I still think it's going to be hard every year to keep maybe those top six down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know I mean I mean I just I would I would be absolutely stunned one day to see Chelsea United City Arsenal Liverpool. Um, who to leave out?
0: Tottenham.
1: No. Liverpool Tottenham. I would still be shocked to see one of that group actually facing a relegation battle. Uh huh. I mean Chelsea gave us their best shot at it and they're still gonna finish like eighth. Yeah. <laughs> um but I just I think it's gonna make the mid table that much more competitive. I think um I think it's gonna keep the league much more exciting. Yeah. Because I don't think anyone's really going to be able to run away with the league.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's I still think the halves are gonna be at the top of the league with the occasional, you know, West Ham. Leicester, you know, one of those run ins. Um, But I I don't think it's, I don't think we're ever, I don't think we're going to get to the point anytime soon of United City and Arsenal being 11, 12, 13, while, you know, West Brom, Sunderland, and uh, Bournemouth are 1 2 3.
0: Right. Okay.
1: You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to get to that. I just, I think it's going to make it more competitive. But I still think the halves are the halves for a reason.
0: And I, I think that's more what I would take the shift to mean. I don't think uh, it's a shift that we're suddenly going to see the, the, the perennial top four teams just get completely displaced. I think what you're right. going to see is that there's going to be more moving around. Where maybe uh-huh. not all four of them would not make the top four. But I mean, if you tell me in a season United is going to finish 10th, I, I would believe that. Like, I I think there could be enough moving around of pieces where that could happen. Like, I I would agree with you that probably, you know, relegation would not be in the cards really for one of those clubs. But it it would start to move the pieces on the chessboard a little bit more than they have been in in recent years since the the inception of the Premier League.
1: And what I think you could see more of would be a West Brom fighting for top ten or a Bournemouth, which we've seen this year. You know, give Bournemouth three years in the league. Let them get their, get their accounts settled and get some money in and start seeing what they can do. You know, Bournemouth maybe making a run at Europa or something. Yeah. Um, and, and then someone like a West Ham or an Everton who are more established mm-hmm. um, have have some money. And also, you know, just have a, a history of being in the Premier League, you know, one of them making a run at the Champions League, kind of like West Ham are doing this year. Right. I, I can I can somewhat see that happening more. Um, but I, I just – I still think – I'm going to call the big six. And once again, that's the Manchesters, um, that's Arsenal, that's Chelsea, that's Liverpool, that's Tottenham. I just think that big six are – still head and shoulders above everyone else as far as long-term sustainability here
0: all right well it's it's a very interesting discussion one i hope as far as the super league goes and and guaranteed champions league places i hope that goes nowhere but it is interesting to think about that in terms of of future life uh Playability in the Premier League. It's going well,
1: to. It's very fun to think about on FIFA, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and it will be good to know because Premier League clubs have agreed to cap away ticket prices uh, for the next three system at a thirty-pound maximum. So even when they're flush with cash mainly because there have been some walkouts and stuff like that fans are not very happy um at least this is trying to sort of stem that tide a little bit and and sort of cap that so for 3 years 30 pounds is the most you can pay as an away fan to go to a fixture so good on that um Wes you mentioned England and Delhi Ali earlier uh, they've announced because Previously on the Foreign Affair podcast, we mentioned that England kind of screwed up their scheduling a little bit for their European friendlies before Euro 2016. So now we have who they're playing officially. They're going to play Turkey, Australia, and Portugal. Um, Turkey at the Etihad on Sunday, May 22nd. Uh, Australia at Sunderland on Friday, May 27th. And then they'll play Portugal at Wembley on Thursday, June 2nd. So, Wes, I'm sure you are very, very excited about not just uh, the three Lions coming back, but, hey, they're they're playing matches outside of Wembley.
1: Yeah, um, that's something that's been kind of bandied around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like the idea of uh, now, you know, if, if you get a big match, you know, say you're playing Germany or France, something like that, yeah, you know, you go to the National Stadium, you go to Wembley. For your big qualifiers, you go to Wembley. <clears throat> but, other than that, um, you know, in the past, England have played matches that uh, they played at Old Trafford. They played at St. James Park, um, at Newcastle. Um, yeah, as you said, they'll be playing at the Etihad. You know, the England team is something I, I would like to see them play more matches away from Wembley. Uh, you know, give the rest of the country a chance to see England. Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of like and, the USMNT does when they, they and, play at a lot of different venues.
1: Yes, and boo them lustily.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Because, you know, that that's the, that's the real English way is to boo the shit out of your own players. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's something that's been thrown around for a long time, and I think that's something the FA is looking at. Uh, because another thing, you know, they've, they've had some sagging ticket sales at Wembley because, you know... I mean, it's what it is, you know. I mean, you're playing a friendly. You know, I mean, if you're playing three friendlies at Wembley, well, I'll just pick the best one and go to it. You know, I'm not going to watch them play Australia. Right. Yeah, I want to watch them play Portugal, you know, but not Australia. Well, you know what? I mean, you take that up to Old Trafford, hey, you can still fit 70,000 people in there, and the people in the, north, uh, in the Northwest are going to be like, oh, hell yeah, we can go see them play. And boo Wayne Rooney.
0: There you go. Everybody loves booing Wayne Rooney. Uh, yeah.
1: so,
0: you you, you did you see Hodgson's uh, quote earlier this year that uh, that he still has a lot of plans for uh, Rooney and because because he's never let us down. He's oh, never. Oh, you even us
1: better down. than that. I, I just happened yesterday uh, while I was uh, while I was at work. I had my headphones in. I got tired of listening to my music, so I was like, "Well, I'll just turn on Talk Sport." I turn it on and Roy Hodgson is in studio. I'm sorry so I gotta listen to a good 45 minutes of Roy being literally the most boring human being of all time <sighs> uh but yeah he still loves Wayne Rooney so he can eat shit. so lot just scored
0: ah oh, uh, brilliant he, beautiful oh, from beautiful um uh, a little bit
1: yeah, more... but yeah so you know uh England get ready to go yeehaw <laughs>
0: Um, a little bit more uh, interesting topics of discussion, something that's been bandied out a little bit, and it looks like the International Football Association board is really ready to start taking the next steps in replay in soccer matches, technology that would only be applied to uh, goals, red cards, mistaken identities excuse me, and penalties and that it would start no later than the 2017, 18 season. Uh, new FIFA president, Gianni Infantino, uh, called it a historic day for the sport and said the decision proved the game's leaders were listening to football. And he did mention the flow of the game is crucial. We cannot put that in danger. That is why we have to be open to test. Uh, they've also, uh, decided to end the triple punishment rule. Um, Quoting from this article on the uh, the BBC, it says that that means in instances in which the referee feels defenders have made a legitimate attempt to make a tackle inside the penalty area, they will not be sent off if they commit a foul. A penalty and possible goal against their team is deemed sufficient punishment. Uh, this would not apply when the offense is holding, pushing, or pulling. The defender does not attempt to play the card or the offense would be worthy of a red card if it had been committed elsewhere inside the penalty area. Uh, so, w- w- the big, again, thing here, Wes, is that uh, soccer looks like it's getting video replay.
1: Great. It's worked so well with baseball and football, right?
0: I think it's worked pretty well with football. As much as we hate it, I think it's worked pretty well.
1: But well, but, but, but
0: football know, is a much different paced game. I mean, and, of course, exactly. the one we're talking about is and American
1: football. Yeah. That, that's That's my thing with American football. And, I mean... God, the college game just drives me berserk. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's why, you know, like you said, if if it's limited to just a few things, I don't think it'll be too big of an issue. But the great thing about the European football that we know and love so much is that um, it flows. Mm -hmm. And you can basically basically set your watch to a match. Mm -hmm. Now, taking out the second leg of a knockout round uh, or a knockout match... You know which you could get extra time or whatever. I mean, you basically sit there. You put a, I mean, you put an hour and a half plus, say, just ten minutes, mm-hmm. and, and you can watch your entire football match. Um, I, I don't want to slow down. Da- I don't want to slow down the match
0: mm-hmm.
1: and add unnecessary time to it because I believe that's what college football has done.
0: I agree. And I think if you do it for penalties. You normally take at least a minute to two minutes, where where teams are protesting the call anyway and and talking to the official. Where if we're just if we're going to have that, let's just take sixty seconds and let somebody review a penalty call and say. That's,
1: okay. that's my other thing. Is uh, I mean, are we going to have an eye in the sky on this, or or are we uh, are we going to have a hood?
0: No, I think <laughs> I think you have to do it like almost like they do the, the goal line technology now. I think I think you basically have somebody looking at it and reviewing at it and then buzzing the head official down there and telling them whether or not. Because, I, I mean, really it's either for, for basically all these decisions, goals, red cards, and penalties for mistaken identities, it might get a little tricky. But for those three, you either you just have to have a little buzzer like they already do and you either tell them yes or no, and that that's it. So I, I think you have you have a, I guess at this point it would be a fifth official at the stadium and just looking at it, review it. You you would give them no more than a minute and say go done. All right, that's that's the call. Let's get back on with play. And I think you would only do it also when a call is made. Like I don't think you would go back and look at it and see if a red card should have been given. I think you only look, once a red card has been given, you look and see if it really should have been or not. If you gave a penalty, should it have been a penalty? Like, for example, not not to beat this horse, but in the Liverpool Palace match, the referee, the side official deemed it a penalty. It's a penalty. It goes to the booth upstairs. Is it a penalty? Yes. Kick it. If not, carry on, because I, I think it would have been a goal kick. So that's... I think it can work like that in those specific circumstances in that specific way of doing it I think it could work
1: absolutely yeah I mean as long as that was the the, the process of it I, I wouldn't really have too big of a problem with it I, I just I just don't want it to turn into basically football <laughs> no, you're right you're
0: you're exactly right you gotta you gotta be very judicious with how you do this. Um, lastly, our, our, final soccer story of the day, um, is one we've been following, you know, for quite a while here. And this part just came out yesterday. Um, Margaret Barron has resigned as Sunderland's CEO. This comes in the wake of the Adam Johnson case that we've been following for the last few weeks here and really now for about a year here on the Foreign Affairs podcast off and on. Um, this, of course, comes in the wake of discrepancies between what the club said they knew, what Adam Johnson said he had told them, and what he knew, um, all in this case where he had uh, sexual relations uh, of some sort with a minor. And um, it, is, it is looking like Miss Byrne has taken her leave of the club. And uh, according to an official statement, Uh, by the club on their website. It says Sunderland AFC acknowledges that Margaret's intentions have always been to act in the best interest of the club. However, it has become clear through our own internal investigations that in this instance, decisions have been taken by Margaret in error. Um, In light of what has been acknowledged by Margaret as a serious error of judgment on her part, we have undertaken a full review of the club's decision-making process to ensure that there can be no such mistakes in the future." And Wes, I think this is something we we sort of speculated on the last couple of weeks when we heard the new information coming out in trial, is is there was a breakdown in communication at some point between what Sunderland knew and what Adam Johnson knew. Because it seemed like Sunderland felt like Adam Johnson was going to plead not guilty to everything. Then he shows up for the first day of, of his trial and pleads guilty to half the charges. And I think that that's, that's a huge mistake. By everyone at Sunderland, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending, I guess, on your viewpoint, uh, Burn is the head that has to roll there as CEO, and I think that's the right thing to do. But Sunderland really need to clean up their act.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, I think we've been. <clears throat> I think I kind of started off with the position that I think the club should really be punished for this, yes. and I think I kind of, I kind of brought you around to it.
0: Yes. Is Um, now now would you say then that this is the equivalent of what Louisville did in basketball this year? That they're doing self-imposed sanctions in this case, uh, letting their CEO take the fall for this in the hopes that the greater governing body will go easy on them.
1: Well, and I mean, it just comes out of me. If your CEO knew, yeah, uh, lots of other people knew too. It's not good. Um. And then you know, to me, I'm just kind of bar- bothered by, <clears throat> well, we're just disappointed that um, he didn't tell us he was going to go ahead and just plead guilty. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're kind of making it out like they're victims, when basically it sounds like to me you're sitting there saying, well, you know, we knew, you know, we knew what he did. We're just mad that he didn't plead not guilty and try to get off on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I just kind of get that um, that vibe from them. And, I mean, once again, it's just – it's a case of digging your hole deeper. Um, I believe some really need to be hit for this. I don't know if they will. There's no real precedent for it for this. Um, but you know what? Uh, I mean, precedents need to be made every once in a while. And, um, yeah, I just – I think i think it needs to be shown that, you know, if, if you – if you run, hey, let's use an NCAA word. If, you, if you're if you running a place and have lack of institutional control. Oh, we
0: love it, lack of institutional control.
1: I mean, I guess that's a pretty good word for this. Yes. Um, I mean, you you need to be punished for it. There needs to be some sort of punishment, whether it be point deduction or what. Um, and I believe Sunderland need to feel the brunt of that um, that decision. Uh, and I just, I, I find it atrocious and appalling that he that after after the CEO of all people finds out that this is true, I find it appalling that he ever pulled back on a um a Sunderland shirt.
0: It is it it is a little weird that that somewhere along the line, Sunderland should have done an investigation as to what happened. that they should have had their own internal investigation. And the fact that they only let him go after he pled guilty is is just bizarre and i i know we we've talked about this we, we beat this into the ground the last couple weeks you know what whether they could have suspended him for longer whether they could have told him to stay home would there would they have would there have been a grievance filed this and that and the other i i i think sunderland fucked up i i'm just gonna say it i'm i'm on that side of the fence now sunderland fucked up and they should have they, they should have done their due diligence a hell of a lot better than they did going into the trial and known that this could have been a possibility I I, I just don't know how you fuck up here and I, I'm i now at this point kind of surprised that Miss Byrne is the only person publicly that has been let go by the organization or, or I guess in her words she resigned um, I, I, think, I think a clean house needs to happen at Sunderland
1: um I think with her, she's just kind of coming out right now as the face of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, And also because she was dumb enough to talk. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's been the big thing. She was the one who was stupid enough to go on the record about this thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you, clear out wouldn't be bad anyway. I mean, you know, (laughs) your staff sucks. Your coaching sucks. I mean, you're probably getting relegated here. I mean, you know, you might as well take this opportunity to reset everything. And then if you turn around and have a shitty season, you can tell your fans, well, you know, it's going to take some time. We're resetting from the Adam Johnson debacle.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, the, the only issue now is, are they going to have to uh, readjust from the Adam Johnson debacle in the championship? I know I've used that phrase a lot tonight in regard to Newcastle. I think, I but think, they all,
1: I think they're going down.
0: I, I, I claimed at the beginning of the year, I thought they were the worst team in the league, and I thought they were going to finish 20th. Uh, Aston Villa's made that not a possible. Big
1: Sam will have his saddest pie yet. Oh, that's depressing. Oh. Well, we're,
0: I'm sure that this Sunderland story, unfortunately, is is nowhere near done. And, and the, the pressure will continue to mount on the club uh, in the wake of what has happened with Adam Johnson. Uh, we're still waiting for him to get his official sentencing. Uh, it, as we mentioned in a previous pod, it could be anywhere from five to ten years in jail, it looks like. All right, Wes, We I was going to head into the other big story of the week, which was uh, going to be that Sony... Um, Had cut ties with producer Dr. Luke, who is embroiled in this very big public um, battle with music artist Kesha about uh, the idea that, or not the idea, but the accusations that he sexually assaulted her and and did a whole lot of other very, very bad things to her. Uh, We were going to talk about how it looked like Sony had uh, ended their contract, which was set to run. Through next year with him. That apparently is not the case. (laughs) So thanks to an update. uh, To the story we were going to read. From Mashable. uh, Representatives of Dr. Luke. Whose real name is Lucas Gutwald. Has apparently. Basically said that that story. Is not true. So unless you have. Anything you want to say about this story. In general. We actually don't have any news. To report on this story.
1: Um, nothing to really add to it. Uh, I mean, I, I think you can you can almost look back at our commentary on Sunderland yeah. and see what we think about this. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, for Doctor Luke, if he did it, he needs to definitely uh, do the time for his crime. Um, I am a uh, I am a big time Kesha guy. Um, I love my glitter, um, and I do love me some Kesha. I'm I'm hoping my girl I'm hoping my girl isn't coming with a lie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't see her I wouldn't see where it would do her any good to come like that. And apparently this uh, Dr. Luke does have a history of being uh, quite an asshole. So, yes. Uh, I, I hate it. I hate something like that happens. I mean the guys put out some really good music over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean if 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 that's your cup of tea. Uh, the the biggest surprise I had not knowing anything was that uh dr. Luke was a white guy yeah just yeah. you know most most one named doctors uh you know dre
0: yeah
1: being the biggest one I know um, you know so a little shot there that uh, it was a white it was a middle-aged white guy but anyway
0: yeah D- dre dre, just, dre and shot would go very well to how I believe dre would would deal with this man um I am not insinuating anything. How dare you Tupac lives. Um it's it is unfortunate though, you know with with uh with how this story has gone on, especially with with I think what was a very you know, if we're talking about shitty things, uh, that Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Shirley Cornreich denied Kesha a request last month to uh, get an injunction uh, to be freed from her contract at with Dr. Luke and his record label, which is a subsidiary of Sony Music. I, I know you kind of got to do your due diligence. I think at this point, a bridge has just been totally burned. I think if you're Sony here, the only way you can really say face is, is to almost go is to almost take them to arbitration and figure out a way to get these two away from each other cuz this relationship whether what she's saying is totally true is 50% true is 0% true and i'm kind of leaning toward the 100% more than anything on this but it, this relationship now is toxic i think at, and and i think as an organization as big as sony is you have to find a way to get these two away from each other as quickly and legally as possible. That's, that's my feeling because you can't, you can't keep having this, this swirl over you. And if, if, if you, one of your artists really feels scared to work with one of your producers, you have to do something about it. Now, if you want to keep Dr. Luke on your label because innocent until proven guilty, okay. That's 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 somewhat understandable in corporate America, but you you have to find some way to get these two apart.
1: See, you're right. You're absolutely right.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. So <laughs> I'm I with you. Uh, best of luck to Kesha. We we really hope that you know I, I of of all the the pop stars who've come out recently, she's probably up there for me. You know, uh, her Gaga. Um, her, our,
1: her love is definitely my drug.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely, I would take her above Katy Perry. I would take her above Taylor Swift. I would take her above—I don't know anybody else out there. I, you know what? I'll take her above Rihanna. There, I said it. I'll take her above Rihanna. Never,
1: never be a Rihanna fan? I'm not gonna lie. Katy Perry's had about three or four songs that I just find magical. Um. Really? But yeah, she's had some really good songs. She's had some really crap songs. Mm. I'm not big on the blue hair. I am. I am big on her big, beautiful, uh, natural disease But that's all good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Of course. And by the way,
1: Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift absolutely peaked at age seventeen, so not creepy.
0: You mean musically? I thought so. That's that's what we meant. That's. That. So I,
1: I, I don't mean uh, cut off shirts and tight jeans by any means.
0: Nope, that's not what he meant, folks. Don't get it. don't get shit twisted. Don't don't get it twisted.
1: Hey, listen, that's in the state of Tennessee. Laws are different. Oh God, Tennessee's so gross.
0: Um, so that's going to do it for our other big story of the day. In all seriousness, uh, if even five percent of what Kesha says is true, I hope everything works out for her. I really do. This is this is toxic. Um, and Doctor well, Luke
1: better know that there's a place downtown where the freaks all come around, <laughs> and he don't want to end up there.
0: No. He'll he'll get the shit beat it's, out of him.
1: It is a dirty free for all, if you know what I mean.
0: Anyway, uh, West, that takes us into the the watch four segment. Uh, what have you been watching in the week that was and the week that will be?
1: Well, as we uh, as we covered uh, at the in the introduction of the show, I don't know if it may be open or not. Uh, you you were figuring I've been watching the People vs OJ Simpson tonight uh, before the pod, as I usually try to. No such luck, unfortunately. We watched uh, we, we've watched some penguins of Madagascar in the last few nights here in my house. As my three year old has become uh, crazy for the penguins. That's
0: not so, terrible. It's no, not great, I, but it's not terrible.
1: Great, they're great. I love the Penguins of Madagascar. Um, we uh, we went and saw Zootopia this past weekend. Ah. Uh, very good, actually. Um, had a had a really good social message. Uh, about acceptance and like, um, not did. judging people based on, yeah, you know, basically, basically, it was almost like a race talk.
0: Yeah, I, I heard that, that that's what it was in, in an animal yeah. setting. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, uh, it was, it was very good, very entertaining movie. Um, we're definitely waiting for The Life of Pets to come out this summer. That's going to be the great one for us. Um, going to be very funny. Uh, but my, my watch for this week, uh, we are close to the season finale of, uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I want to say it may have recorded while we were doing the pod tonight, the season finale. Oh. It was a two-parter called The Gang Goes to Hell.
0: Oh, fine.
1: <laughs> and last week was part one. And uh, basically, it began with uh, the gang at the pearly gates in front of St. Peter. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And it, it quickly uh, just fell apart from there, as as it's always sunny Usually does it just completely falls apart. Um, they ended up on a cruise ship, uh, and apparently the cruise ship sank. What? Uh, didn't see that part. It was a two-parter, and I haven't seen part two of it yet. Obviously, um, and I, I'm quite interested to see if they actually do end up in hell, oh. and how they treat that, which could be quite, quite, quite hilarious. Um, the uh, The highlights of the sh- the highlights of this episode. Include uh, Frank and Charlie um, seeing. Uh, well, basically, they end up. It's, it's a. Uh, it's a Christian cruise, so it's. It's a dry cruise. Mm. It doesn't exactly work well into their lifestyle. Um, Frank and Charlie see uh, carafes of uh, orange juice and cranberry juice, and uh, <laughs> instead of calling them juice, they just call them mixers and chasers.
0: Um. Fine. And
1: they, they use that in their normal sentence, like. Um, like, uh, wh- wh- why would you drink a chaser without me, you know, without the alcohol? <laughs> you know, why, why they just got chaser? Oh God. So, uh, that was fun. Um, uh, Dennis, uh, very, very, very creepily was trying to seduce a, uh, a, a very young looking girl who turns out to be 19, but actually looks much younger than that. Almost a little more adept to my, uh, Taylor Swift comment from earlier. Hmm. I- it it got it got a little creepy there, <laughs> got a little creepy. Um, Dee's just trying not to get shit on, literally and figuratively. That's that's her goal is to not get shit on on this cruise, and uh, and Mac finally uh, comes out and admits that he's gay, which everyone has known for years, and I think everyone's known except for him. Oh, <laughs> uh, but just. Oh man, it it has been a very fun season. That to me, that is that is such a well written show. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, when I say well written, I mean it's like every week is like fucking anarchy. <laughs> and and for it to remain funny and fresh, it has to be really really well written. Mm-hmm. Because th- this show so so teeters on that edge of just falling off the ledge. But it never totally does. It's it's God. It's a funny ass show.
0: Well, let me so, ask you. Th- oh, go
1: ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I- I'm done.
0: I was gonna ask. I- I've heard uh, it's always sunny described as uh, the downward uh, trajectory that the the characters on Seinfeld were going in terms of being of their actual humanity. It's like they pick up the characters from It's Always Sunny pick up. Where Seinfeld left off, and then keep going farther down.
1: Oh, they do. Uh, let, let's let's put it this way: it's basically like where the where Seinfeld left off, and then you mix in a lot of alcohol, um, and and uh, and huffing um, spray paint. Ah, uh. yeah. Um, you just add, add much more drugs and alcohol to it, uh, and uh, and much more cursing, and that that is kind of. What happens? I mean, they they make the Seinfeld crowd look extremely um, innocent, you know. Um, <laughs> Seinfeld not near as mean spirited, I think, as, as as it's always sunny. Oh, okay. But, but yes, that, that is a good that is a good comparison, though.
0: Oh, fantastic! Um, I uh, I guess I am watching Agents of Shield, which is back. After its uh, mid-season break, uh, it ushered in season after two. The,
1: the winter break.
0: Yes, after the, after the winter break in Germany, which is actually more apt than you might think. Um, <laughs> it's uh, they they brought it back uh it, it right back we get uh some some really cool uh superpowers in this one uh, a character who uh i think in the show is referred to as yo-yo in the comics she's referred to also as a slingshot very cool power she can basically run as, as at a near superhuman speed level think think the flash but she can only do it in the span of one heartbeat and at the end of it she has to return to where she started so it's very, very cool. It's a hell of a superpower, but it's also very limited, which I like. This is, this is as we would say in, in the video game world, this is not game-breaking. This is this is a very useful but controlled power. She's not OP. She's not overpowered, and I like that. Um, a lot of good setup, though, for, for a lot of the characters, and uh, just very, very excited to have Adrian Palicki back in our lives, as I think we all are. Um, as in addition to the, a lot of the rest of the cast, and uh, spoiler alert, uh, Agent Coulson gets a somewhat real-looking hand back by the end of the episode. So, spoiler alert: Coulson loses his hand. If you haven't been really, ke- <laughs> if you if you haven't been keeping up with Shield since I don't know halfway through season two, that might be a spoiler for you. Sorry. Didn't mean it to be a spoiler, but I I really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, after that first season, I think it's just picked up and been consistently better and better every time out. So very, very happy to see them go that way. And we'll do that watch next week. But next Friday, (sighs) John Barenthal comes to your televisions as the Punisher as he invades hell's kitchen in season two of marvel's daredevil which is going to be i think fucking amazing and i cannot wait i cannot wait season one was so damn good all right now speaking and, of oh, go ahead.
1: And as you know uh, I'll, I'll give you the segue in yeah. as you know i uh, i have not watched the shield since that fateful day of june the 2nd 2014
0: I know you haven't, and and that's why you know you you also wouldn't have seen Agents of Shield since then, but we're not talking about Agents of Shield, Wes. What are we talking about this week on So Raw?
1: Oh, Ed, uh, this week uh, Raw has a bounce back show, oh, uh, which is nice because uh, I think we kind of decided last week it pretty much was sucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's put it this way: if two weeks ago was an A and last week was a C minus. This week, I think we got a nice solid B. Oh,
0: okay.
1: A solid B. Uh, we rebounded nicely, um, had some good things. Uh, still still looking for more overall, but uh, <clears throat> highlights of the night, um, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon starts the show off, uh, cutting a promo, out comes uh, his father, the chairman, Vince McMahon. Mm. They have a um, a back and forth, which uh, ends with Vince basically uh, reiterating to his son's face that um, he's pretty much disowning him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, uh, ends up smashing smashes a picture of uh, Vince and Shane when Shane was <sighs> just a wee lad, maybe about the age of my daughter, of his father holding him in his arms, and Vince smashes the picture. Smashes the frame, stomps on it, does a really good visual. Um, And then Vince's best line of the night. Let me try to get this right. Um, Of course, The Undertaker, which uh, has kind of gone down as Vince McMahon's greatest character creation ever. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, uh, Vince said, at WrestleMania, my greatest creation will destroy my greatest disappointment. Great line, just like, oh, God. And you know, you look at Shane in the ring, and obviously, you know, obviously we know what's going on, but Shane just has this look on his face. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, this guy's just got that it factor to be able to put this over because it really looked like he's standing in the ring, like, what? <laughs> what? You know, so it's almost like, I, it's like you, you know, he obviously knew what was going to happen, but it's like, oh, that's just harsh, man. Um, so that was kind of the highlight with that. Uh, Kevin Owens, uh, took on Neville in this show. They had a really good back and forth match, some good false finishes. Owens ends up winning with a roll up, uh, kind of out of nowhere, and then attacks Neville, is just beating the shit out of Neville. And all of a sudden, Ed, we get a not a debut on Raw, but uh, a guy who, um, has been really big down in NXT. Sami Zayn coming out, making the save. He and Owens Brawl. And this is significant because these guys have about a 15-year history in the business Mm -hmm. that goes back way, way, way before WWE. Uh, When they were on the independent scenes, uh, Sami Zayn used to wrestle under under a mask under the name of El Generico. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice name. Very. And of course, Kevin, Kevin Owens was uh, Kevin Steen, and they have a very long history. They've been tag team partners. They are they are kind of like real life, close to being best friends. Real life. Um, they've they've been teammates throughout the years on the Indies. They've been they've been the greatest of friends and even better enemies. Um, just had some great matches. They end up brawling, hoping that's going to set up a WrestleMania match for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, That would be just a fantastic, fantastic match. They have just, they have put on magic throughout the world for over a decade. So, time to bring it to the biggest stage of them all. Yes. WrestleMania, Texas. Yeah. Uh, So, we had that. I'm just trying to hit the highlights of the night to me. Um uh Dean Ambrose comes out cuts a really good promo on Triple H um he gets put into a match later in the night with Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. uh which we'll we'll get to that in just a moment but a uh, really good promo from Ambrose he's
0: you yeah, know he was always
1: the great guy on the microphone for the Shield back in those days um and he's really he's getting he's finally getting the chance to talk and have something worthy to talk about and He's taken it to another level. He's been great. Uh, match of the night was a tag team title match. Uh, Y2 AJ, Chris Jericho, and AJ Styles uh, teaming up to take on The New Day. And, I mean, it was that was as good a tag team match as I've seen on Raw in, God, probably, probably since I've restarted watching it. It was really good. Um, there were about three or four times where you really thought Jericho and Styles were going to win it. Uh, Jericho having Kofi Kingston in the walls of Jericho. Um, Kingston doing everything he could not to tap out before finally he gets saved. Um, Jericho, I believe Jericho ended up taking the pin. Um, One, two, three. New Day retains their titles. The real fireworks came after the match. Uh, when Jericho um, turned on AJ Styles, hit him with three code breakers, and uh, then then pulled a page out of the Million Dollar Man's old book and stuffed a Y2 AJ t-shirt into his mouth, mm. into his life's body, stuffed into his mouth, uh, basically screaming at him. So that definitely looks like we're setting up for a WrestleMania grudge match. Um, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, AJ Styles, Chris Jericho... It's a very good matchup because, I mean, A, Styles... To me, Styles is the best in the world right now. Um, And Jericho has been the best in the world. I'm hoping that WrestleMania is going to kind of be the end of this, though. Don't get me wrong, it's been good. But it's like, okay, how many more different ways can we do this match? All of them. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. We've seen... You know, we've seen them one-on-one three times now. So this will be... By the time we get to WrestleMania, it'll be at least number four here in the last couple of months. And I'm not talking about just, you know, a little blow-off match here. Every one of them has been really well built up. And after a while, you know, you just uh, you just want to see it kind of finish up and see who they go on to next, especially with Styles. I mean, obviously the entire roster is open to Styles uh, for new matchups for him. I know people, are, myself included, are really excited about that. Uh, but that was a great, great tag team match. be interesting as well to see what New Day end up doing at WrestleMania. As with beating Y2AJ and then breaking up, that, that kind of doesn't leave them much of anything to do at the moment. So we'll have to see how that gets filled. Uh, in the final match of the night, Ambrose taking on Bray Wyatt. This was fun, man. Those two really went at it. It was really physical, as you would expect with Bray Wyatt. It's always physical um ambrose of course brings his own level of physicality to the battle excuse me there ed um just when it looks like ambrose about to get the upper hand at the end of the match all of a sudden the lights go out about three four things there the lights come on there is the wyatt family surrounding the ring uh they they rush ambrose they end up putting a beat down on ambrose uh which is culminated with a sister abigail from bray wyatt As soon as that happens, here comes Triple H's music. Triple H comes down to the ring. Uh, He decides he's gonna lay a beating for the second week in a row on Dean Ambrose. Goes down to clean off the, uh, the announcer's table, obviously to slam Ambrose through it. When he gets back in the ring, oh, Ambrose was playing possum. Ambrose pops up, kicks him in the stomach, hits him with his dirty deeds finisher, the double arm underhook DDT. Lee's Triple H laid out in the ring. Ambrose Raw goes off the air with Ambrose holding the World Heavyweight Championship belt. And the uh, the Chicago crowd, I do say this was Chicago, that crowd was going absolutely ballistic. And that's big. I'm, I'm real interested to see what we're going to do at Roadblock here on Saturday night. I've got some ideas, but this Chicago crowd, who Chicago crowd is kind of... I think they're the best crowd in wrestling. Um, They're they're really seen as a really smart wrestling crowd. They were showing their absolute acceptance of of Ambrose and that they would like to see him as champion. Um, You know, they would have to change some WrestleMania things, but uh, this Saturday night is a WWE Network exclusive. It's Roadblock. The, uh, the big match of the night is Ambrose versus uh, Triple H for the World Heavyweight title. Everything points that, you know, Triple H is going to hold on to that title up through WrestleMania to face Roman Reigns. As, as you know me and I've said before here on the podcast, I would really like to see WWE think outside of the box. Just do a few different things. try to Try to shake things up. And to me, one of the best things they could do to shake things up would be, uh, you know, put the belt on Ambrose. Have Ambrose versus Reigns, brother versus brother in the world title match. Um, and I just, I think that Ambrose, you know, with that, I say you put Reigns over on Ambrose, turn Reigns heel, and you go with Ambrose as your top babyface and Reigns as your uh, big badass heel for the next three, four five months. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. I don't. <laughs> I don't expect WWE to do it because you know it would be really cool. So we can't expect that to happen.
0: Why would we but, have fun?
1: Yeah, exactly. No, let's let's just keep shoving Roman Reigns down everybody's throat.
0: That's usually um, how we like it.
1: Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Here's the thing: in Dallas, Texas, if they go through with this Triple H versus Roman Reigns match, and Roman Reigns wins the world title as a perceived babyface. Hundred thousand people in Dallas, Texas, are going to boo him. Nice. Is that really the symbol that you want? Your so-called chosen one, who's supposed to be the good guy, getting booed by the biggest crowd to ever see wrestling.
0: Well, at least they'd be booing wrestling instead of football. And once in Jerry's world, and that I'm excited.
1: Well, I, I just wonder who would be more over. <sighs>
0: The Cowboys. And at that point, uh, it would be it would be total pandemonium. So we'll see what happens on roadblock <laughs> this Saturday at night. Um, remember WWE subscriptions are only nine ninety nine, and I will give my nine ninety nine as soon as Brendan Williams, aka Great Black Otaku, aka the Shogun of the Row, makes it into the ring.
1: And uh, just two quick things. Of course, uh, this month, if you sign up uh, new new subscribers, you get the month free. That means free WrestleMania. Uh, also, Ed, this was a big one for me. They have announced they announced today the site of WrestleMania 33, Orlando, Florida.
0: Oh boy. So when Zlatan goes to Orlando City FC, we will be able to make a road trip to see both WrestleMania and Zlatan Ibrahimovic play in MLS. and that, two things, is what's going to end Episode 97 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. We want to give a big shout-out to all of you for listening in each and every week as this podcast is being presented to you by NGSE Sports and Sports.com where we never stop. Once again, you can find them at their website with a bunch of great articles. Again, a whole, whole bunch. of We say it every week, a whole bunch of great MLB team previews in advance of – Major League Baseball season coming up here in less than three weeks from opening day. Um, you can find also them on Twitter at NGSC Sports. You can find us on Twitter at AFA Pod. Wes, you are?
1: At Wes Bradshaw21.
0: I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under our sister show, The All News Sports Show. You can email us that way, Show at gmail.com. Finally, you can mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, 27804. Finally, we'd like to give one big thanks to all of our podcast distributors, however you listen to us, whether it's at NGSC Sports, whether it's at Podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else. Thank you for listening to us each and every week as we bring you the best soccer coverage We can with absolutely zero connections in Europe. So with that, anything else to add before we get out of here, Wes?
1: Folks, it has been 75 degrees and sunny here in eastern North Carolina the last few days. It's going to continue for the next week. It is baseball season. Without a doubt, we're just trying to find a game
0: and some weeks it's easier than others. For my call in Crime West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thanks so much for listening to the Foreign Affair podcast. We we'll back next week with FA Cup Talk, Champions League Talk and another bonkers yet abbreviated weekend in the Premier League. Till then, stay safe everyone and don't get too blocked by the road.
1: And good night Chicago. Never stop those
0: When's CM Punk coming back? Is CM Punk the break, break it, glass in case of emergency now for the WWE? Uh,
1: no, I don't think he's. I don't think he's like that capacity. I think right now it's uh no actual
0: content with WWE. Let's just get that one damn UFC fight
1: out of the way
0: first. <laughs> when is that happening? Uh, last October. Oh. <laughs>